Welcome to The Vampire Squid, a podcast about increasing transparency and education in finance. This is your host, Alan Lee, and welcome to part three of Investment Banking Recruiting. Today, we're going to be talking about technicals. And before we start, uh, we've been getting some awesome press in The Globe and Mail, one of Canada's largest newspapers. I will provide the link to the article. Unfortunately, there is a paywall, but I found that if you download the app on your smartphone, I think they give you a free trial so you can read it for free there, which is pretty cool. As always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to visit my website, thevampiresquid.com, or you can email me personally at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com. Today's session is pretty important because this is the way that interviewers will test to see if you understand the fundamentals of finance and of valuation. Usually, these make up between 20 to maybe even 50% of the complete interview, the other side being behaviorals, which we covered in the last episode um, on part two of the investment banking recruiting series. So what I initially wanted to do was to do something similar to the format of the investment banking behavioral section where we did the Q&A and W, the question, then answer, and then why they're asking this. But then as I was writing down some notes and, and jotting down some thoughts, it actually gets quite in the weeds and quite convoluted, some of these explanations. And if you haven't experienced or taken a course in finance, it's quite difficult to follow along. So the way I thought it would be best to structure this episode would be to cover the core the core sections of what the interviewer will be testing you on, and then some tips that I thought would be useful and things that I wish I had known when I was going through uh, the recruiting process. So my first suggestion is if your university or your college has an accounting or evaluation course, I would highly recommend taking that before the recruiting season starts. So preferably try to take that during your sophomore year if you can, because it will help you really understand the fundamentals of the financial statements of accounting and evaluation. And also, if you guys haven't already, please go back and listen to episode four, where we talk about the financial statements um, at a high level and what each of those line items mean. And personally, as I was going through the recruiting process, I found that what was most helpful was to actually walk through these technical questions with some of my friends that had already worked in investment banking prior. They have a pretty good understanding of why the question is being asked, and they should have a, a good answer to the question as well. And conversing with colleagues that had done investment banking before, that had done an internship or that were even full-time, I found was um, was very helpful. I also used some of the guides out there. So a lot of um, places have these investment banking guides that have a good amount of material in there of past investment banking questions that are asked. Uh, personally, I use the the Wall Street Oasis guide, and that was that was really good for the technical questions as well, um, covering a lot of the the nuances of the answers and, and going fairly in depth. And I can provide a link to you guys um, for their website. Wall Street Oasis, if you guys don't know, is a you know finance blog site. I think which every every person in finance has browsed through quite extensively at one point. Um, the other resource that I used was Rosenbaum and Pearl, which is a book that was written, I believe, by one of the managing directors of UBS um, back in the day. But it goes that one is very good for going 
very in depth into the fundamentals of finance. So those are some of the resources that you guys can look at and use as you guys are preparing for um, the investment banking interviews that are up and coming. And I think those are those are fairly good resources to use. So use your friends that have worked there. That, that's one of the best resources. Use the Wall Street Oasis guide um, and also look at Rosenbaum and Pearl, which is, um, you know, some people consider it the, the finance Bible. Also, one distinction that I wanted to know is between boutique banks versus bulge bracket banks. Boutique banks usually ask much more technical questions than bulge bracket banks. Um, they want to make sure that you really understand the finance and that you can hit the ground running. On the other hand, bulge bracket banks usually ask a little bit less technical questions, and they they usually have a more extensive training program, and they're obviously a larger bank, so they don't necessarily need you to be able to hit the ground running on day one. You can ramp up over time, but for boutique banks, those banks usually ask much more technicals, so if you're going into an interview with those, make sure that you have your technicals down because they... Uh, they pride the your technical skills a little bit more so than I think bulge brackets would. Okay, great. So the first section of investment banking technicals will be on usually financial statements. So the income statement, the cash flow statement, the balance sheet. The questions they'll ask is how do the statements tie to one another? You know, how where does depreciation and amortization appear? Where does um, net income flow into? Which of the statements does it flow into? Questions like these are some of the questions that the recruiters will the, the recruiters will ask. Other things are they'll ask the definition of specific line items in the financial statements. They'll ask you what does accounts receivable mean? What does accounts payable mean? Sometimes they'll also ask you to run through a hypothetical example of a of a real company. So they'll ask you to say go through the P&L of a company like Apple. What are in each of the line items? What's in revenue? What's in COGS? What's in sales and marketing, et cetera? To make sure that you really understand, you know, not just the technical meaning of the financial statements, but at a broader step back, you know, what what does this all really mean in a, in a greater context? And the favorite question that people like to ask for the financial statements are how changes affect the three financial statements. And we'll walk through one of the most common ones, and this question is usually asked in every first-round interview ever. Make sure that you really understand this concept, and this concept can be extrapolated into many other changes that affect the three financial statements, but the most common question ever is, how does an increase of $10 in depreciation affect the three financial statements? So for this question... And these questions, you always want to start with the income statement and then go to the cash flow statement and then go to the balance sheet. So let's let's just let's actually just walk through this one together because I think this one is um is pretty key. So if your depreciation increases by ten dollars, that means somewhere in your expenses it has also increased by ten dollars. So your profit before tax will go down by ten dollars because your expenses increase from the ten dollars of depreciation. Then you have to take into account the taxes. You usually have to ask the interviewer, what tax rate should I assume? So this one, we can assume it's 30%. So now your total net income is down by $7 because you paid off $3 in taxes. So now your net income is down by $7 and that flows into your cash flow statement. And then remember, depreciation and amortization is a non-cash expense. 
So then you have to add it back. So the net change of down $7 plus $10 is a positive $3. And this positive $3 flows into the balance sheet on the asset side. Remember, because the, the cash flows onto the asset side. So now we're at positive three in cash on the asset side. But then you have to remember depreciation and amortization went up by 10. So what is depreciation and amortization? It is affecting the property, plant, and equipment, the PP&E. So then you have to subtract the $10 from the PP&E. You subtract $10 from the $3 that you got from the uh, cash flow statement. So you're down $7. Now, on the opposite end, remember that the net income flows into the shareholder's equity. And remember how we said on the income statement, the shareholders, the, uh, the net income was down $7. So now both sides balance. And assets minus liabilities equals shareholder's equity because assets are down $7 and shareholder's equity is down $7. So basically, this is one example of the many types of questions they could ask. They could ask, you know, how, what, what is the change in the three financial statements if you buy a company or if you buy um, a tractor for $100 using cash? What is the change of the three financial statements if you buy that same tractor using debt? There's so many variations of this, but it's really to test if you understand how things work in the three financial statements. And just remember at the very end, both sides need to balance. Otherwise, you did something wrong. But this is one of the most common questions that people people like to ask. And there's a lot of examples in this in the, uh, the investment banking guides out there. So the second section that people really like to ask questions on is on valuation. On valuation, they typically like to focus on things like what is a discounted cash flow analysis? What's a comparables companies analysis? What's a president transaction? What's a leverage buyout? These are some... Um, ways that you can value a company. And we'll actually dive into these a little bit more in detail in future episodes because each each subject can take up a full episode. But these are important to understand the concepts behind what type of valuation a DCF is, what type of valuation a COMPS is, what, what type of valuation an LBO is. And common questions are similar to, you know, walk me through a DCF valuation. What are drivers of an LBO? What type of multiples should I look at in a comps analysis. So these valuations are, are fairly important. Um, and also another site that I recommend that you guys use while in preparation um, for this is uh, macabacus.com slash learn. So M-A-C-A-B-A-C-U-S.com slash learn. And I'll put this in the show notes too, but they have actually, they actually have um, financial models on there of each of these types of valuations. So they have a DCF, they have an LBO valuation, and you can download it onto your computer and look through how everything works. So it's pretty cool because, you know, usually a lot of these models for banks are proprietary. You can't really see, you know, how people do valuation, but I found this site to be fairly helpful in, you know, further understanding the the types of valuation and actually how to model out um, these types of valuations. So if you want to take it a step further, I highly suggest going to the site and actually downloading the models and trying to trying to actually model it out yourself. Because if you can model out a DCF or an LBO, then you are above ninety five percent, ninety percent of the of the uh, other interviewers in the room. Another another section that. Um, investment bankers like to ask, especially nowadays, I think is brain teasers. So they like to see how you think on your feet. 
So some of the questions of brand teasers could be, I have a three gallon jug and a five gallon jug, and I need to fill both of them up to the brim. How do I get to four gallons? Um, another common one is I have a cube that is comprised of 10 by 10 by 10 cubes, and the entire outside surface is painted. How many cubes are painted? Um, another one is what is the sum of all numbers from one to 100? So, I mean, there's a lot of these, uh, these, these brain teasers out there, and you can just look it up online, some of the brain teasers, but look up some of these, try to think for yourself if you can solve these brain teasers. Um, these probably won't be used again and again. Um, just, just try to think through some of the brain teasers, look some online, and once you do a few of them, you should be able to, you know, use the, the same type of, um, experience or the same type of knowledge and apply that to other brain teasers that you get. I mean, the worst thing that you can do is just not try at all for the brain teaser. I recommend going, just going through some of the brain teasers, talking it out because they can catch you quite off guard if you, if you've never um, actually done a brain teaser before. And another one of the sections that um, technical questions fall under now which is coming more to banking is actually case study questions. So these are usually reserved for consultants. But for case study questions, investment bankers also like to see how you think. They like to see, you know, what your thought process is, you know, how organized you are in your thinking. Can you simplify a very complicated problem into something more tangible and more uh, easily solvable? So Questions are usually of related to the market sizing. So, you know, how many cigarettes are smoked in a day? Um, how many ping pong balls can you fit in a 747? How many customers go through the doors of the grocery store down the street? So a lot of the common questions that you'll think of in, um, in consulting interviews, you'll also find a lot of cross overlap nowadays in the, um, in, in the investment banking side. So those are, those are, I think, the major sections of the technical questions that investment bankers ask. And this is obviously in addition to whatever you have on your resume. So if you have done a banking internship before, if you or if you've done case competitions that involve investment banking, they might dive a lot into your experience and ask you technical questions based on that. Or if you've done any type of um, financial internship, they'll, they'll dive in to see if you know what you uh, actually did that summer, or if you really learned something or took something away. So in addition to just the normal financial statement, valuation, case study questions. Also make sure your resume is bulletproof, even from a technical standpoint. Um, I know a lot of people that do the wealth management internship can't really speak to what they did because a lot of the times um, as an intern, it was more of a, a cold calling internship, but people like to boast a little bit more on the resume than what they actually did. So make sure you can actually speak to every line item even on, on your resume. So, okay, great. So now you have, you know, the major sections of uh, the investment banking technicals and some of the resources that should be helpful in terms of preparation. But, you know, how do you answer a question that you don't know? Because you will definitely run into investment banking technical questions that you don't know, because there's no way that you have this type of knowledge. Even investment banking analysts, associates, VPs, MDs run into many questions that, that they don't know because you're always constantly solving, you know, hopefully new problems and you counter new things. So the way that I think it's best to answer a question that you just don't know is to caveat or preface your answer. You could say something like, I haven't encountered this type of question or problem before, but, you know, this is the way I, I'm thinking about it. And, 
you know, walk them through your thought process. Obviously, make an make an educated answer and an educated guess about how you would go about solving the problem because they don't expect you to know every single investment banking technical question out there. But if you can walk through your thought process and if you can effectively communicate and you know if you're getting on track, that's usually good enough for um for the interviewer. Or sometimes even it, it's even better if you can you know walk through your thought process rather than just memorizing a technical question because they'll think, oh, this, this, you know, this interviewer didn't just memorize the answer. Um, but you know, they haven't encountered this type of question, but they're still, you know, thinking about it in a very intelligent way. So just to finish up some of the, some of the tips that I have for the technicals, I mean, I mentioned this before, but I think the biggest thing is to practice and learn from a friend that has uh, has gone through investment banking, um, one of your mentors or your peers, because they're your best resource. You know, they do these type of que- they go through these type of questions and problems um, every single day, so they're your single best resource. Uh, I would also make an investment in one of the guides, um, like the Wall Street Oasis one, and go to the macabacus.com/learn to uh, to download some of their financial models because. I think every single student that is serious about uh, recruiting has this resource. So if you don't have this resource, you're already at a disadvantage um, to a lot of students. Uh, the other the other tip that I have is, you know, when you're answering a technical question, make sure to answer the question. Don't just spew everything you know about the subject at the interviewer because that is probably the surefire way to show the interviewer that you don't actually know what you're what you're talking about and maybe just you know a few days ago you memorized a textbook or you memorized um some answers to technical questions and are are just spewing out uh everything you everything you know you're just mudslinging against the wall so make sure to just answer the the question fully but you know don't don't just explain everything every single thing that you know about the subject because um that that usually shows the interviewer that you actually don't really know uh, the answer or the concept that they're asking. Um, another thing that I like to do when I got a technical question that I didn't know, and you know we go on to other technical questions, and you know we end up finishing up the interview, and you know always the the interviewer will ask, you know, do you have any questions for me? And what I like to do here is I like to ask them. Oh hey, do you remember that one technical question you asked me earlier in the interview? You know, how how do you think about that? How would you go about solving that problem? And this is a this is a a really good way to show that interviewer that you're actively engaged in learning the concepts, learning the financial concepts and you're naturally curious. And um it's sort of a win-win because it shows that, you know, you're curious to the interviewer, but then it also the interviewer will have to explain the concept to you or how they'll solve it. And that would be helpful to you since you'll never, since you'll answer the question correctly from now on. So that, that is a, that is one of the tips that I like. Um, you know, technicals are something that take a little bit of time to, to fully grasp and understand. So I would make sure you, you dedicate some time to definitely studying up your technical questions. That being said, um, behaviorals, I think are, are more important, especially in the bulge brackets, um, because they, they focus a little bit more on your behavioral side. And if you get dinged on a few technical questions, it's fine. But if you aren't answering the behaviorals well, then, um, then that's when you usually, 
uh, get a pass. But technicals and behaviorals are both important. I highly recommend that you you know do your active preparation for both as you go through the interview process and you know make sure to go through some of the resources that I previously mentioned. I'll provide links to all the things that I've used in the past so that you guys can um, can take a look for yourselves. Okay, so I think that is um, that is it for the three-part series on the investment banking recruiting side. I hope this was very helpful for you guys, or at least um, you know somewhat helpful in spurring further interest or going into different resources to help you prepare for your for your interviews. And I wish everyone luck. I know that the interviews are coming up in the next couple months, and applications are due. So best of luck to all of you. And we have some exciting episodes coming up. I interview some good friends, so please stay tuned. Um, oh, also, I will be starting a new job soon. So instead of releasing two to three episodes a week, I will be releasing one episode a week on every Sunday starting uh, starting from next week. So on Sundays, you'll get to hear my wonderful voice. And I hope that you guys continue to listen. Thank you all so much again. We got some cool press recently as well. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to visit me at thevampiresquid.com um, and go to the contact tab and you can always email me at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com. Until next time, thank you again and ciao.